This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Microsoft grabs Cycle in cloud computing race. And NASA launches HPC Experiment. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, broadcasting again with Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, the biggest story was focused on HPC Cloud, where a high-profile company, Cycle Computing, has now been acquired by Microsoft, a company looking to increase its own presence in HPC Cloud. Yeah, that was a big story. Cycle Computing, of course, has been around for uh, upwards of 12 years. It's established itself fairly well in the in the HPC cloud niche, which has remained a niche, and it seemed to be uh, one of the more, if not the most successful companies in the HPC cloud space. So uh, having that acquired by Microsoft changes the landscape quite a bit and makes us wonder what uh, what Microsoft, how Microsoft might benefit from this and what their strategy is uh, going forward. Yeah, it's not necessarily a huge acquisition. I mean, this is a cloud services company that Cycle, you know, helps people move their HPC applications into the cloud. They have a lot of value in their uh, tools, their software tools, their dashboard for being able to evaluate pricing of different cloud instances or, or migrate your applications to the cloud, help them scale. It's not a huge company. They're probably on the order of 50 or 60 employees, although we don't have an official count on that. Uh, and no one has disclosed how much the acquisition was for. I think this is more in terms of the perceived leadership in HPC Cloud, and Microsoft has really been growing its presence here with a very deliberate strategic move over the past two years where they've embraced uh, Linux as part of Azure uh, in terms of uh, helping build these more scalable systems. In our estimation, they've overtaken Google as the number two HPC cloud provider, although they, they still trail behind Amazon Web Services, of course. But but Microsoft has really been on the rise here with Azure. And I think this gains them a little more notoriety because uh, Cycle Computing was getting known as a company with a stable of customers with uh, HPC applications they were looking to scale. Right. And some of these applications were quite large in the, on the order of tens of thousands of cores. So uh, some of these customers are actually would be big customers, even by Azure standards. So if they could wrangle more of those, that's a good thing for Microsoft. And, and like you said, they're competing against Amazon. They're trying to uh, knock, knock them off their pedestal. They've actually been growing faster than Amazon. And a lot of people do feel that it's going to be much of a race between these two. And uh, some people are thinking Microsoft could actually overtake them at some point. And this might be part of that strategy as well. And like you said, Microsoft would like to get back into the HPC side of it, which they actually fold under a, a moniker called Big Compute, which obviously HPC falls into there, but it's also about big data analytics and now the, the new uh, category of AI and machine learning as well. 
Yeah, and that's the category where I think this is the most important. Uh, what The biggest thing about this acquisition is its timing because it's not the growth in traditional HPC applications that really makes this worthwhile. And that growth has been there, but it's not staggering. The big area that's really been boosting these deployments is in the new fields of AI with deep learning and machine learning, which have a high degree of cloud affinity. And they're also related to a lot of business areas where Microsoft already has a strong presence, such as financial services, where you see these big uh, uh, pricing applications or risk management applications that can now take advantage of AI modules uh, in terms of looking at them a new way. There's a lot of of startups that come into this space that don't have a lot of uh, other infrastructure that are looking to to make a move with cloud-based resources. For Microsoft to make it easier for those types of applications to move to cloud, I think really makes this the, that's the area that makes this acquisition the most worthwhile. Yeah, especially in relation to what Microsoft is doing on the infrastructure side of AI as well. I mean, they've they've made some interesting moves, especially with regards to their FPGA deployment. And maybe part of this is they're going to help or use that platform, the cycle computing platform, to uh, to basically ramp up their use of uh, their public use of FPGAs for cloud customers. Maybe there'll be something there. I don't think there's any uh, orchestration or high-level orchestration platform for using FPGAs in the cloud, mainly because I think Microsoft is the only one that uses them extensively, but also because they're rather new. So Microsoft's made a big bet on that platform for AI and machine learning, and maybe there'll be some integration there that, that will help push that whole strategy forward. Now, there will be a secondary effect in the market here when you look at the competitors for Cycle Computing because we can assume from this that now Cycle is going to be closely aligned with the Azure platform and not so much with Microsoft helping people boost out to AWS or Google or, or, or SoftLayer or something else, right? So now you've got a company like Rescale, which is probably the closest cohort to cycle computing. They, they have similar services. They're about the same size. Rescale probably has an opportunity to move on cycle customers and say, well, look, if you really want a choice in clouds and where you're going to place your HPC application, uh, you know, that's the campaign that, that Rescale w- would run. Or a company like Nimbix is another cohort in this space. You also get overlap to a uh, company like R Systems, which is more of an HPC application service provider, but also can be related to uh, cloud strategies for running HPC applications, or or a, a middleware company like Bright Computing, which has cloud capabilities built into its suite. I think there's likely going to be some movement in all of this uh, based on uh, Cycle essentially moving into Microsoft. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the case. I mean, the rescale opportunity, I think, is real, especially with relation to AWS and Google. I mean, Microsoft did put out a statement that they're saying their cycle clients, their current cycle clients using uh, EC2 or the Google Cloud uh, will continue to support those. But the future versions of of the cycle platform will be Azure focused. So uh, I think just reading between the lines or even not reading between the lines, you can see that they're going to move forward going forward. They're going to, they're going to do the uh, enhancements or any integrations on Azure and 
probably the AWS and Google customers will fall by the wayside. In any case, I think this is a success story for cycle computing. You know, this is a, a self-made company. They, it's entirely owned by uh, the executives and employees. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've known Jason Stowe, who's the CEO there for a long time. Uh, so congratulations to them and to Microsoft on the acquisition. I think it's going to be interesting and we'll continue to watch it. Also this week in HPC, Michael, another fun story. I don't know that this is really huge on the, uh, on the application side right now. It's certainly not a huge supercomputer, but NASA has put a couple of HPC servers on a uh, rocket and blasted them into space uh, related to future Mars missions. Yeah, for what they're going to do here now for for this launch is they're going to uh, deposit those into the International Space Station and run these servers, these these HPE servers, on the station for about a year. And what they're going to try and test is how well they hold up to some of the the, uh, harsh environmental conditions that happened in in outer space, such as cosmic radiation, solar flares, things that would normally – cause uh, some of these servers to to crash or get corrupted. Um, what they're doing, they're using certain types of software to detect these uh, error conditions that are caused by these environmental hazards, and they correct for them there. So the whole idea is they want to, they, they think the idea for something like a mission to Mars, you want a fairly powerful computer on board because the the latency between the Earth and Mars sending a radio signal is nearly half an hour. So if you have to do any complex computation, you can't rely on earthbound computers. So the idea is to put these systems into space for these long time frames and see how they react and see if the software that they've uh, launched with these can do those error corrections properly and the systems can survive for these year-long periods so that a mission to Mars would, would actually be feasible with something like this. Right. The uh, the basic idea that you're going to need some capability there on the mission just because the communication to Earth takes too long. And right. and the things they're testing for, you've got to – what's going to be the effect of radiation? You get outside Earth's magnetic field and with radiation, you can have some disruption of computation or data corruption. Those are things that you worry about. The extreme temperature shifts in space you have to worry about. Uh, just the vibrations of launch. You have to worry about getting it up there and still having it work right. So there's a lot of things that, that they need to worry about. And I think the plan with these couple of servers is just to run basic things like uh, Linpack or, or HPCG or, right. or, or a basic test suite and run it a bunch of times and compare it with earthbound computation so that you get some, com- uh, some uh, confidence in reproducibility or consistency of results, right? So that after we do this, then we have confidence that if we're running other applications up there, we know we're getting consistent results. Right. It's the exact same systems that they're going to compare them against that are going to be uh, on Earth. In fact, these we should mention these servers, these HPE servers, are the same ones that are in Pleiades, NASA's big uh, multi-petaflop supercomputer that's, that's housed there at the Ames Research Center. So these are true what you would call HPC servers. They're just sort of stripped down and put in a, a special uh, chassis there for for the mission. But uh, other than that, they're the same servers you'd find in uh, the computers that we, we use here on Earth. 
I think this is a fun story for for HPE and for the industry. I I think H, if I were at HPE, I'd be making a bigger deal out of this. I know I know they did a press release, but I mean, come on, this is HPC in space. <laughs> this thing is fun. Let's let's really get people excited about it. Yeah, HPE did a little bit. I mean, they did do a press release. They actually did a nice Q and A with uh, Dr. England Go uh, as well, and. Uh, they also did a blog post by one of the other designers of the system and with a little video. So they, they talked about it. One of the things they did in the in the blog post, they talked about the relevance of this to to memory-driven computing. They think that's actually going to be the system that's going to end up going to Mars. It's going to be a, it's one of these, the machine architecture that's that's going to be that system. They're, obviously, the servers they put up there is not one of those. It's a, that's a commodity server. But... Um, the, they think by the time the Mars mission rolls around, there'll be this new architecture that, of course, HP has been talking about for the last 10 years, and they'll be using those technologies. So they actually talked about it from a couple of different ways. But, yeah, it is a fun story for them, and I think it's, it did get a lot of press. I mean, I wasn't the only one writing about it, certainly. This this got uh, a write-up in all the major IT publications that I that I saw out there. Well, with all the overlay with artificial intelligence and putting HPC in space, we're also open to all the jokes about whether we can ask the computer to open the pod bay doors <laughs> while it's up there. Yep. So <laughs> we'll keep following it. I think it's going to be a great story. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, congratulations to HPE on, on well, on its launch. Yep, on its launch. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Michael. Uh, another fun couple of stories. And thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.